Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 172. I'm your host, David Palermo, and this podcast is actually a rerun podcast, sort of, kind of. Just uploaded a podcast yesterday on Tuesday. It's now Wednesday evening, and I had my friend Mike Smith on, and Mike is awesome. I love talking to Mike. He's definitely an outside-the-box thinker pretty professional in how he likes to carry himself seemingly um and just kind of like a loose cannon you don't know what you're gonna get well unfortunately yours truly didn't realize that one button on the Yamaha board was not pushed in so Mike and I talked to dead air for a very long time uh for 40 minutes and I went through the process of uploading writing the description promoting it not all in that order and me uh, even made a Reddit post. It was super stoked. Thought we had a great conversation. Even teased the next podcast, which I'll do now. Um, this is, again, Numb Bills Fan Podcast number 172. Jags knock off the playoff bills. What is next in the process with Mike Smitty? That's what I had. Well, now it's without Mike Smitty, and I'll just get to the bottom of it. This is just a quick podcast. Again, brought to you by Punch Drunk Sports and GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. As always, Check out CoverOne.net. If you want some Bills breakdown, some sick analytics, you got to check them out. They're also part of Grandstand Sports Network as well as Locked On Bills and Rock Pile Report. Love those guys over there. And we have Kevin on all the time. Was texting with Drew the other day. I've actually had Drew's number a long time and texted a number missing a number. So I only had nine digits instead of ten. Really smart. I know. Um... That said, um, let's get into this Bill stuff real quick. So um, I'm going to have Mike Smith back on. We really want to talk quarterback uh, Tyrod Taylor and Rick Dennison. But um, if I'm going to touch on the the Bills-Jaguars game, playoff game on a Wednesday and you're listening to this, um, I'm not sure if it's really worth your time to comb through it like I did in silence with Mike. But what I will say is uh, expect me just to air out some thoughts quick right now, and next podcast will be pretty good. So it'll lead you into Mike and I's conversation. So um, this year with the Bills, I've had Kevin Masseri on from Lockdown Bills. I've had Eric Turner on earlier in the season, um, did a crossover show earlier in the year with them. Grandstand Sports Network got got Kevin Masseri uh drew from rock power report and myself on the sidelines along with another guy and um you know the season started out for me really special um i don't mean to talk about me lately on this podcast but it's very it's a pretty nostalgic thing to again go from commenting to being there to see it and there's a lot of people who have done that but to be one of the people it's crazy to have that kind of access when I was just sweating riding a bus ride literally uh, the the bus the year before and for 10 years and um I kind of really appreciate the access so for me to talk about the bills personally as a guy who's a, a contractor who walks into people's houses 
and I have to shake hands and, and be nice to people and be respectful. Um, if I see these players and coaches, I want to be just as respectful to them as well. So any opinions expressed on this podcast are though they're my own opinions. And um, I try to be objective and keep families in mind as well. And um, I'll say with this Jaguars game, uh, the Bills were in it the entire time. And I want to be respectful to the outcome through the flow of the season along with the timeline of events this year. And uh, if you add it all up, the Bills backdoored themselves into the playoffs. And if we learned one thing from this drought is it's really more odd that the Bills didn't get into the playoffs than they did. Mike Shope and Bulldog have really hammered on that point on their show. Um, and this drought it's we've seen teams that are just not that they're this team isn't it didn't seem great it didn't seem it feels almost in hindsight that the drought and I'm just free balling here to lead into the next podcast but just the drought was very in hindsight as if the Bills won a championship And it's not that at all. Blake Bortles just won a playoff game. Playoff caliber quarterback. That's Blake Bortles with the playoff win. There's a laundry list of quarterbacks that you know the names of. Andy Dalton's an easy one without a playoff win. And, you know, it's easy for Tony Romo in the booth. And I love when people are like, oh, Tony Romo should just come down and play for the Bills. Tony Romo wouldn't make it down the steps without re-breaking his collarbone. That said, if he wanted to play for the Bills next year, I would support it. Because I think he's a very underrated quarterback. And and Dallas, I don't know. Dallas is a tough place to play. High expectations. I hate the Cowboys. But I hate the Patriots more. I never thought I would ever say that. But, I mean, last 10 years I hate the Cowboys. Not as much. Um, quarterback is an issue for the team, but we saw the team put up, what was the averages? 27 points, I believe a a year is what I, uh, the last two years prior. And if you look at the final score of these games, the bills are within a play and you could say, yes, the quarterback can make that thrown ball. Or you could say how many times Did this play get called? Or you could say, how many times did somebody drop the ball? All season long, right, on offense. Or you could say the offensive line did not do a good job protecting the quarterback. Or you could say Tyrod Taylor held on to the ball too long. Or you could say he missed open guys. Insert it all. Or you could even say, let's put in the other guy. And guess what happened in this playoffs, in this Bills-Jaguars playoff game? It happened. People have made the point. We've seen better teams than this drought-ending team. I've seen Tyrod Taylor play a lot better football. I've seen everybody on this team play better football than they did this year on the offensive side of the ball if they were here. Are you telling me John Miller is that bad that he can't even be active? So 
the coaches are listening and they switch to a power scheme. Is Ducasse that much of a better power blocker than John Miller when that's all he did? I don't understand. I'm not there. So that's just something to think about. Not to really think about, but it's more of like a systematical thinking of, as in, does that guy just get the nod now because he has outplayed him? Even though you switch a scheme, who's the best one for the job? You switch back to power, who's the best one for the job on the offensive line? And I don't know what the answer is to that because I'm not watching practice. I'm just saying hypothetically, if John Miller is that bad, like really, I don't know. I do know that the team had a lot better offensive production last year and the defense was the problem. Last season, I said on the podcast, do not get overwhelmed and let the draft shift your core values of what you feel like during the week after the season ends because that's really where all the problems come to a head and you can evaluate what you need. And I said the Bills needed wide receivers. They needed guys to stay healthy, right? Okay. Well, they needed a defense. They were putting up enough points. So if you're the Bills in this Jaguars game, and your defense is actually playing lights out, and people can go, how does Blake Bortles run for more yards than he he passed? If you're the defense, it's a give and take. I will give up Blake Bortles running the ball all day long so I can have a chance to ruin his life. That way he also keeps the clock running. That way the Bills, when they get the ball back eventually, because they've been stopping him all game, they can just put up some points and slowly bleed the clock out. If your offense cannot put up points, you cannot win football games. Last I checked, the way sports works is you keep score. The offensive coordinator, the run game coordinator, did not do their job well this year. Well, maybe the run game coordinator did. And Juan Castillo, that the run game did improve. So, we still have messy line play going on, you know, just... Tyrod, I, all three things happen. Drop passes, bad line play, Tyrod missing guys, right? We've been talking about it all year long. We've also been talking about, or I've been trying to preach, again, the wide receivers digress this year. The rushing attack is down this year in rankings. But most importantly, the points are down. When people go, it's year three, I'm sick of Tyrod's limitations. Why don't you watch Blake Bortles beat the Buffalo Bills? And then put on Tyrod Taylor playing in games last season and the season before. There's just points. I thought there was a point for a while. He got a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown for a bunch of games in his career. And Tyrod Taylor did try to take the ball and duck with it and run and get extra yards. And he was, I thought he actually got more decisive this year as it went on. And a lot of people will point out to Deontay Thompson on the right side. And I know I'm all over the place right now. Um, There's a a picture of Deontay Thompson, a screen grab, wide open on Tyrod's right side. Here's how football works. You have primary reads, right? So at least for my dumb eye, 
That means you look there first, primary first. If you're on Madden, you have the routes are yellow and then there's a red one. Well, that's your primary read. There's a reason you can change that. So clearly Deontay Thompson was number three on the list of reads. Okay. And there could have been read one player and then another player and think about running and then make another check. Okay. So there could be that at the same time, you know, you got guys like Romo saying, Oh, well he should do this. He should do that. This got Tyrod Taylor to where he's at. Everybody does things differently. I've seen Tyrod Taylor on the stat line at the end of the game with a lot more points than three, with a lot more points than 10, with a lot more points than 14 and 15 and 17 and under 20. I've seen a passing game that wasn't at the very, very dead last. Pretty close. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bede had an had a end-of-season presser. And Sean McDermott mentioned something, and I'm not saying he doesn't believe this in the players either, but when it was brought up about coaching changes in uh, Denison, um, look, don't quote me exactly, but this could be wrong. If you go back to the presser and check it out, there's a line that I interpreted as in, as when asked about Denison, hey, you know, there's families involved. And... You know, we had to really make the right decisions. Well, my argument is for the players that, yeah, there's families involved. And we've seen these players produce. And I understand that every year with the salary cap that things happen too. There's going to be cap casualties. Will Kyle come back? That's a whole nother story. And what I want to know is... How long is the shelf life of a player versus a coach? A coach can last 40 years, 30 years, 20-something years in the NFL. Or not. A coach can coach when he's 50. LaShawn McCoy cannot play football at 40. LaShawn McCoy cannot make income from football at 40. Unless he goes into coaching. These other players can't make money after this from football. These coaches have every opportunity to get another job. If Rick Dennison loses his job, I'm sorry. You did not do the job. This has been the worst offense I have seen since the Dick Duran years. Just absolutely ridiculous the amount of calls I hear on the radio shows. You know, I don't want to just predict the plays, but they run it to the right side, and uh, and that's what you hear. And I hate those calls, too. But I feel my calls are so important, that's why I started a podcast, because I'm that important, to so you people can listen to me 15 minutes in. So, there's accountability across the board. I just don't think that bringing up family when asked about a coach is really a good go-to because the players have a way shorter lifespan and their bodies pay for it and their bodies really pay for it. And you have a league that covers up CTE and concussions and, oh, no, they're trying to do the right thing. Meanwhile, Cam Newton wobbles back out there. Tyrod Taylor gets cheap-shotted all year long. 
no calls. You touch Tom Brady, you get a flag. And it's just, how's the league work, you know? Uh, the Bills get a, get a gift basket at the one-yard line. You think you would run three times? No. Are you going to get a pass interference call offensively? You don't think so. But they get that, you know? So you can't plan for certain things. But the overall memo is I don't think the offensive coordinator could get out of his own way. And when you listen to player interviews, at least the tone I get from players is like, I I don't, maybe I'm reading into it and I'm interpreting it wrong, but I don't, they they know they can do better. You just listen to Richie Incognito talk on John Murphy and uh, it's a really cool interview and he talks about, you know, them maybe bonding with the coaches. I don't know. You would hope that like. They came together and said, look, guys, we did this before with the same personnel. We got to do something different here. We, let's do these plays. And Richie said it was a lot of pressure because now you got to do it. You got to prove to the coaches that you can do it. And these coaches are paid to coach, okay? They are definitely paid to coach. But one thing I find ignorant about coaches is, oh, they're not attached to social media. Oh, they're not involved in the podcast. They're not involved. Now, you know what? If a head coach is to manage a culture – why don't you pay attention to the culture, pay attention to what people are saying? And they probably do. Okay. So it could be a facade that they don't pay attention because they, you know, uh, it, there's no way you can't if you're involved with the team. It's just, I want to see coaches do right by the players. And it's good that the Bills started to do that. You know, Tolbert was tearing people up, not tearing people up. He made a nice Instagram post, pretty much saying, like, hey, guys, man. I lay my body out here on the line, and I and I rebuttaled myself on the last on a podcast, a couple podcasts ago, saying, um, "Dude, that's cool, but it's not you. It's the coach, and ninety nine percent of the heat you're taking is not your fault. You're not the one being called to go on a swing pass. Next thing you know, the guy rushes really well. After that, you know, he was used north south, Mike Tolbert, and I don't think he's played bad since." that Instagram post he made, honestly, and he was used the right way. And it's like, come on, that guy is a guy who is friends with Coach McDermott. He came here to spread the culture, right, the McDermott way. He backs McDermott. I like Mike Tolbert. Even even Kevin Missouri and I were early in the first six years uh, games of the season. We're like, look, don't rip on Mike. Don't rip on Mike. Don't rip on Mike. He's actually productive. But what ends up happening is is – We've been talking about situational football on this podcast all season long. Situational football is lacking. I don't think the team is is situationally any better than a Rex Ryan team, to be honest. It's just you have to remove yourself from the package that Rex Ryan is packaged like a buffoon, and Sean McDermott is packaged like the guy that you want to, to be with your daughter. Okay? Let's just put it that way. And that's really it. I don't give a fuck what happens with Sean McDermott as far as his relationship with the players or not because I just care about the results. What that means is if he is a faith-based man and that locker room is more faith-based, that's cool. All power to you. If you're not into faith and he is and he doesn't push it on, you're cool, cool. But faith is a big thing amongst football players and fans, and, and it's a big thing. So it's more part of the sport than probably any other sport is faith. And, and I'm not a religious person at all. I grew up Catholic. Um, people can do whatever they want. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Do what you want. I personally don't like hearing about faith and decisions. And when you get introduced as the head coach, he's a faith-based man. I don't give a flying fuck if you're faith-based. 
All I care about is that you got players who love you and they play for you because they want to show up for you because I know what it's like to play for somebody shitty. And I think it's really fair, unfair, that the players don't get to have a voice for themselves because if they do, they're uncoachable. They're a bad teammate. Arian Foster was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. I mentioned this before. You should really check that out. Great podcast. And he he mentioned, like, coming out of college, like, they labeled him as uncoachable. He's like, no, I just didn't want to do the dumb shit that they required you to do. Like, I'm coachable. I know how to play football. So it's, you know, a very militant structure, sports is. But I think football is more militant than most. You have 11 people having to do 11 simultaneous things against 11 other people. So another situational football thing. Um, Charles Clay steps out of bounds. Why is 20 seconds running off the clock? Why? Everybody knows. Get up to the line. Get up to the line. Is that on the quarterback or is that on the coach for not coaching that? Who's that on? That's a head coach thing too. I didn't expect to be, I didn't mean to be so negative after a playoff win. Okay. The Bills ended the drought, but get real. There's a lot of work to be done. Mike and I are going to talk scenarios of quarterback. There's many different things you can do. The Bills defense played, I thought, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Lorenzo Alexander was flying everywhere. Uh, Matt Milano, um, really wish he played. Uh, what a loss. Matt Milano has accelerated himself. I've never seen a player show up so fast from being a spot starter, splitting reps with Humber a little bit, and just accelerating. And I I really couldn't believe it. So, um, Matt Milano, can't wait to have him back next year. Uh, we got some, some things to talk about for the offseason. So, expect a lot of podcasts, a lot of information coming out. And believe it or not, there's going to be more content in the offseason than during the season. Because during the season, what are we doing? We're doing game re- reviews. Oh, they should have did this. They should have did that. And then you get no information besides what they show you so at least now we get to speculate um really happy for the buffalo bills team all the players uh, and the coaches really sean mcdermott did a good job the rankings of the team are not that good at all um and i'll just tell you the buffalo bills have have a good coach to build off of because one thing that sean mcdermott laid down is he laid down a system And that is very, very, very important. McDermott laid down a system. When you lay down a system, that's great because now the players know what's expected of them. The players just want to know what is expected of them and what to do. And I like that McDermott listened to the players. They listened to the players. The offensive side of the ball did start making adjustments, okay? But it's really hard for me as a fan of the team who is not paid to coach the team knows more about the personnel, it seems than the people coaching the team before they get the job. And even after they get the job, you have months to watch tape months to watch tape a year ago this week. McDermott was hired. Uh, took a little bit to get Rick Dennison, you know, took about a few weeks cause uh, McCoy was out. He stayed with Denver. That was allegedly the number one pick, but he eventually got fired, which McCoy could be an interesting prospect, by the way, for offensive coordinator, because 
I got to look into why he was fired. It's kind of a little sketchy. Like some people think, I was like, really? It maybe shouldn't happen. Um, but I think some changes need to be made. I think the special teams coach needs to be looked at heavily. I don't remember a special teams touchdown in three seasons. There has not been a special teams touchdown in three seasons. There's a lot of penalties on special teams. Danny Crossman, sorry, I think you got to get get the door. Um, we can upgrade special teams coach. I'm down with Leslie Frazier. He was the head coach. Uh, the defense improved. The pass rush is non-existent. A lot of thoughts on 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 the front seven this year coming up. That you know, Preston Brown led the league in tackles. So things are coming and going. Um, and I really want to dive in and do some awards for players. Some great guys stepped up. Um, you know, a shout out to the to guys like Zay Jones for fighting through adversity. Bills fans are really hard. And um, you know. I think he's going to be solid. And training camp, you look nice. I kept going, oh, who's that? Oh, Jones, Jones, Jones. Okay. You know, so I have a lot of hope for the team. The, the most important thing is that McDermott laid a foundation and a structure for the team to follow. What Whatever coaches follow in under that, a process. Trust the process. And you know what? I really do. Because it doesn't take much to make the playoffs. Don't treat it like the Super Bowl. There's so many bad teams in the playoffs. The Bills were one of them this year. Finally. Should have happened years ago. If you're not in a division with the Patriots, it easily happens. Easily happens. And it should have happened anyways. So look, Numb Bills Fan Podcast, number 172. Thanks for tuning in. This will be uploaded in a moment. I don't know why I'm telling you that. It's 8.54, Wednesday evening. I'll be back very, very soon with another podcast for you. So on behalf of Grandstand Sports Network and Punch Drunk Sports, I'm your host, David Palermo, and uh, please tell your friends, subscribe on iTunes, everywhere you find podcasts, uh, podcasts and uh, Instagram, Twitter. Check me out there on Facebook. See ya.